0: As you should well know by now, in 2016, our theme is strong and courageous. This idea comes from the book of Joshua, and we spent the first part of uh, 2016 in January focusing on that story, how it applied to Israel's time of transition, and how as we as a body, as a family here at Northside are also in a time of transition. Therefore, we need to realize that though the world changes around us, we have a God who is unchanging, and he still has work for us to do. That verse, which will guide our whole discussion, our whole thinking this year, is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. I want you to read the colored part with me, if you don't mind. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, on your screen. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord God goes with you wherever you go. Now, as a part of this series, we have uh, uh, instituted the Northside 90-Day Bible Reading Program. Uh, Just for a show of hands, how many of you have your 90-day bracelet on this morning? All right, there we go, very good. And uh, I hope that you are participating in some way, whether you have your own Bible reading plan or whether you're using our 90-day plan. We have lots of folks who've been participating in that, and I always like to share a few each week. Here is Brent Davis, who uh, recently had uh, heart surgery, and I love to see that he is here feeding his heart uh, after the surgery, um, up and going around and, and feeding it with good things from the Word of God. Uh, from Instagram, we have uh, Glora Emery, who says she is playing catch-up on Northside 90 Days. And I want to say, if you're playing catch-up, uh, today is day 36. And if you haven't done any of it, and you just start today on day 36, that is wonderful. That's w- great. Don't be discouraged because you feel like, well, it's too late to start. Never too late, uh, as long as you're on this side of the dirt. Okay? So, uh, you can catch-up anytime you like. Uh, Northside 90 Days on Twitter. Here are the, uh, Tyson family. I love the family pictures of parents and children reading together. Although you can clearly see that their dog is not participating. Um, not as good as Milo, I guess. He, he, uh, needs a bracelet. Speaking of animals, oh my goodness, I have caused a bit of a social media stir. In my proclamation last week that Jesus doesn't love cats. (laughs) Josie Dennis says God loves cats, too. Now, that may be true. God may love cats. My only uh, theory is that cats don't love him. I'm surprised here. You'll notice the cat is not actually touching the Bible, and it seems to be... uh, Infested by some sort of demon. I don't know what that's all about. Stacy Yeoman uh, sent me a picture of her cat. God loves me too. Hashtag the blessing. Hashtag shame slash Toby. That's fine. That's fine. I just want to remind you clearly from Scripture, God said we have an enemy who prowls around like what? A roaring lion. If you read the message version, that says our enemy prowls around like a giant cat. So you're welcome to post your cat pictures. You can even put your cat's name on there. It's Damien or Legion or whatever you want to call it. Now, I realize not everybody has posted a picture. I've asked for you to to give some of your responses to the things that you're reading. And Paulette Ware took me up on that challenge this week. And she wrote this. This It's not on your screen. This is just what she wrote. And I thought it was great. John 12, 26 says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And she says this, be where Jesus is. Is. I love that. Sitting at the kitchen table thinking about where I see Jesus. Northside is a special people where Jesus can be seen every day. And she says, I love you, Northside. Sincerely, Paulette. So I thought it was a beautiful. If you read something that really causes you to think about Jesus and to think about the Lord, that's wonderful. Include those things too. As always, you can do that via social media. Via email, or you can just send me a good old-fashioned text, like your grandfather might have done. All right. Today we are in this series called the Blessing, and we are talking about this idea that we've all been given these blessings that are countless. And last week we said that the best way to use your blessing is not to think about the receiving of them, but how you can use your blessings to bless others. So we live from the blessing, not For the blessing. We said the Lord owns all the blessings and as such we are his stewards and we have a responsibility to manage them well. So that's what we're going to be talking about. This idea of stewardship, which is really another word for management. How are we managing the blessings which God has given us? And today we're talking about the blessing of time. Last week I said that it was very important if we were going to understand how much we've been blessed to be able to count our blessings. Can we really do that, though? I mean, can you really look at your your Fitbit or your, your Apple iWatch or your iPhone? Can you, can you count the time that's been given you? Well, kind of. You uh, you can use your birthday and you can say, well, I can count backwards and figure out how much time I've had so far. In fact, the scripture says that we ought to do that. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12 says, take time to number your days. Now, we, can, of course, can count backwards. I am 37 years old. That means I've been alive for 37 years. I don't know if I have Forty years left, if I have ten years left, if I just have one day left. That's the truth for all of us. We're all blessed to be able to have a certain amount of time. The mystery is we aren't told how much we get. The psalmist says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever thought, not about how much time you've spent... But about how much time you have. Well, that's kind of hard to do. Um, To do this, I need you to get out your phones. Because, not necessarily make a call or a text, but I want you to get out your phones for the calculator function. Because you're going to need it. I have to ask you, if you're going to number your days aright, like Psalm 90 verse 12, I have to ask you a simple question. And that question is, what's your number? Now, young ladies, you may have a gentleman come up to you and say, hey, what's your number? And you need to know this is exactly what he's talking about. (laughs) When you're doing, asking the question, what's your number? You need to have a a little bit of a formula to try to figure that out. The Bible says that, believe it or not, it tells us about how many days we get. In the book of Job, we're told that a man has 70 years or 80 if he has the strength. Now, the funny thing is, if you type this in on Google, what is the average lifespan for an American living today, right now? You know what the average is? Seventy-nine years. We lost a Supreme Court justice yesterday, a good, godly man. And you know how old he was when he died? Seventy-nine. Seventy-nine is about the average. What that means is, as I go to do a funeral, I hear about someone has died... If they are at 79 or older, my response is going to be, well, that person had a full life. They were given a a good, full life in this world. If they were under 79, I might say, well, depending on how far under 79, if it was very far, like a teenager or a young adult, those are the sad kind of funerals because they died and their life was far too short. So what's your number? Well, Here's how you figure it. You take the average age, which is 79. That 79 years equals 28,835 days. What you need to do is plug in your age today, multiply that times 365. You'll get a number there, and you need to subtract that number from 28,835. Some of you can use your phones, your calculators. Some of you... Go old school, use your slide rules. Some of you are rain man. You can just, you know it. Mine's fifteen thousand five hundred and thirty five. I'm not rain man. I just knew the formula beforehand. All right, have you figured it up? Have you figured out what your number is? The number twenty eight thousand eight hundred thirty five subtracted, subtract from that your age times three hundred and sixty five. Got it all figured? Good. Now I want to ask you, hopefully you know your number, because if you don't, this won't work. If you have 25,000 days or more left, I want you to stand up. Good, we have no young, no, no, (laughs) 25,000 days should be those 11 and under. Let's do it that way. If you're 11 and under, stand up. That is so exciting. You have 25,000 days. You're going to be really excited when I tell you how many days your parents have left. (laughs) You're going to figure something out. 11 and under, 25,000 days or more. All right, you can sit down. Now, if you are from age 11 to age 24 or so, would you stand up, please? These are those who have 20 to 25,000 days remaining. Now, the beautiful part about these people standing up is you have so much life in front of you. But if you're like the rest of us sitting down, you're going to regret that because you will squander it. You will not take advantage of the time you have now. All of us sitting down are thinking, oh, oh, if I could only go back, if I could only go back to this time of my life. Oh, if only I could have those days back. But I can't impart to you that wisdom. I hope you number your days and realize that you're at a beautiful point of life. Don't squander them, but as the psalmist says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. All right, those of you 11, I'm sorry, 12 to 24 year olds can sit down. If you are age 24 to age 52, would you stand up? These are my people. We have only 10 to 20,000 days left. Now, that, doesn't, that seems like a lot, but most of us in here have children or our children are grown and out of the house. I would tell you, if, if you are at this stage and maybe you just brought home a new baby, you realize that from the moment that baby comes home from the hospital, you have about 6,600 days left with that child. And when those days are over, uh, then you have an empty nest, to which all the church said, oh yeah. But your days are shorter even more. You still have a responsibility to use them well. All right. So have a seat, 24 to 52 year olds. If you are age 52 to 65, would you stand up? Age 52 to 65. According to the averages, you have only about five to 10,000 days left. Now, we're getting down to, to four digits, folks. Are you understanding? The time's getting shorter, and you've got to think wisely about what you're doing, and you see all those youngsters who have already stood up, and you say, oh, please, pay attention, pay attention. But I don't want you to get discouraged. Because God's still giving you time. And while, you, while there's time, there's hope. And while there's hope, there's opportunity. Now, you can have a seat. If you are age 65 to 79, your numbers should be between 0 and 5,000. Please have, uh, stand up. Have a stand. <laughs> the time, time's short. We're remembering now that we're approaching eternity. We are closer now. This is true for all of us than we've ever been. Now, thank you for standing out one last very special group. If you are over 79 years old, your answer should have been a negative number. If you're over 79, have a stand. We got no one over 79. We got a few people. Hey, good job. That is absolutely appropriate to do because you have beaten the odds. But wait, stay standing now. I know it's hard. I know. know. Some of them, they don't listen either. Now, listen. I don't want you to think you're done. And just because your number's negative doesn't mean you should be negative. Some of the greatest work that's ever been done in business, in life, in the church are by the people who are ending the very final days. You remember Caleb in Joshua chapter 14. He was 85 years old and he said, I am just as strong today as I was 40 years ago. Your body may wear out, but your heart, your soul, your spirit is eternal and God still has work for you to do. Don't give up and don't think you're retired from the Lord's church because of you're retired in life. No, that's not true. There is all sorts of good work to do and we have lots of good Northsiders doing good work at this stage of life. Please have a seat. Now, I want you, whatever your number is, if you have social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I just want you to do me this favor and post your number. I want you, I don't want any explanation. I don't want hashtag nothing. Just post your number. Because I want the people around you to know that you are numbering your days aright. This is so important that we remember that time is limited. Time is limited, it's a gift from God. The the very day that we have is a gift. To quote the theologian, theological movie, Kung Fu Panda. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. We must remember that though it's limited, it's been given to you by the Lord. You know, I'm at the stage of the year where basically every morning, as I take Tyler to school, I'm I'm watching the sunset, uh, the sunrise, and as I come home from work, I'm watching. The Sun and you know lately God's just been showing off, hasn't He? Did you ever know that pink and orange and purple made such a good mix? but He just does that every day. He gives you a beautiful, unique sunrise and sunset every day of your life as a gift, as a reminder. That today is a gift from the Lord. So appreciate it and live in it. And you know, sometimes we'll get out, we live in the age of social media, so we get out our phones and we try to snap a picture. Is the picture ever do justice to how beautiful the sunset was? No, because what does a picture try to do? A picture tries to hold on to that moment. And God's trying to tell us that we don't get to hold on to the moments. The moments are here and then they're gone and they're here and they're gone. Psalm 139 verse 16 says this. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be. Isn't that a pretty picture? Much more beautiful than a sunset. God has somewhere in some form of celestial writing your name written down. And next to that name, he has a number, maybe close to the number you wrote down, maybe longer, maybe shorter. But he has your name and your number on his mind and on his heart. And he wants you to use that because you don't get. You don't get any more. Time is truly our most treasured commodity. We have a limited amount. I'm told that Queen Elizabeth I, who was the richest person in the world at the time, her last words were simply this, I would give all my kingdom for one more moment of time. It's truly our most precious commodity. And when we realize that we only have today, We understand what a joy it is. Famous quote from a famous leader. He said, treat every day like it is your last, because someday you will be right. The Bible says it this way. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Can I hear an oh yeah? Yeah. Now, the people in this section, sometimes they get that, but more often it's the people outside this section. I tell you the story of a classmate of mine. She was only 21. She got into a car and she proceeded down the road. Her car was sideswiped by another car. Now, she lived, but... Because of the damage from the wreck, her ankle, her right ankle, was severely injured. In the last 16 years, she's had multiple surgeries, multiple attempts to try to make that foot right, but it doesn't work right. And recently, she had it amputated because the pain was so severe. Now, do you think, at age 21, that she knew that day when she got in that car that that one day, would change all the days to come. Of course not. She couldn't have known, nor we do. We can only pay attention to the warning of Scripture. You cannot boast about tomorrow. Oh, we're tempted to, but we don't know what tomorrow may bring. The longer you live, the more you realize the importance of this truth. It's not just about counting the days, it's about making the days count. We say the answer for this is time management, or as we might say, time stewardship, which leads us to our third point. We have to manage his time by managing your priorities. To do this, we have to put the big things in first. Now, I want to illustrate this to you because it's the simplest way I know how to help you understand why time management is so important. You have this vessel. Now, this is a vase. It is capable of holding only so much. This could represent today. This could represent this week. This could represent your whole life. The point is not what it represents. But for this illustration, let's just say it represents the week in front of you. Now, we're not guaranteed it. But assuming that the Lord gives us this week, we have seven full days in front of us. Today's the first. How are you going to spend this seven days, this 168 hours? The best way to spend it is by putting the big things in first. Now, I have these four softballs. I was going to ask Brooke Eberhardt to help me, but I'm kind of scared. These four softballs... ...represent the four big things in your life. The four most important things. I don't know what those are. I can't tell you what they should be... ...although I'll give you a recommendation on one. But every person has a different four. These four things represent your priorities, dreams, goals for your life. Now, next... There are three smaller balls, and these represent the smaller things that other people are going to ask you to do. No man is an island. You have things this week, and your boss has something for you to do. Your spouse has something for you to do, especially if you didn't buy any Valentine's gifts. you got a lot to do this week. you got all sorts of things and demands from other people. And then we have... This small container full of small things. And these small things are very tiny, and yet they can fill up so much of our lives. I don't even know if you can hear it, but these little tiny balls make so much noise in our lives. Now, most of the time, what we do is as we start the day, we begin to, oh, we come into the office and we chat with some coworkers. We check a few emails and then we get on social media and then we check it, click a YouTube link and we're looking at saying we have a long conversation with someone on the phone and the whole day is filled up with little things little things of no consequence social media texting they are things that fill up our time but they don't they don't fill it up with things that are useful and then here comes the boss and the boss has a few things for us to do, and he said we ought to get after it, and the spouse has a few things. And then it's the middle of the week. You know what this looks like? This looks like most of you on Wednesday night. You say, how are you? And what's the answer? I'm, and I'm busy. And I'm so busy, and you think for as busy as we are, we'd look a lot happier. You know why we're not? Because we're filling our lives with empty things. We're filling our lives with the priorities of other people. And along about Wednesday evening, we say, man, I got to get on this. I got to get on my Bible reading. I need to spend some time with the spouse. I need to, oh, I didn't quite make the kids basketball game. I, I really wish I had done that one other thing. We get here on Sunday and we go, it's been another week. It's been another week, and this is the first time I talk to the Lord. Now, I don't tell you that message to make you feel guilty. I tell you that message to say, we all do it. Guys, your preacher does it. You think I don't have expectations on me? Is it easy for me to ignore some of the most important things? And my wife over here says, oh, yeah. We all do it. What we have to do is not... Think about how can I get more time in the week? That's not possible. And it's not realistic that when we say, how can I do less stuff? What we have to do is put the right stuff in the right order. The way Jesus did it was he kept the main thing, the main thing. Now, what if today, starting today, you said, you know what? Starting today, I'm not going to do a single day until I do these two Big things. No matter what happens, I'm going to do these two big things, and they are the first. Now, just a preacher point here. I think the first most important thing, the thing that will matter 200 trillion years from now, is your relationship with the Lord. If you don't have that, it doesn't matter what you fill your life up. It's all vanity. The number one thing, I'm going to put this, is my relationship with the Lord. The second thing, and this is just a me thing, may not be a you thing because I just publicly placed an order for about 45 boxes of Thin Mints. I got to work on my physical fitness. So I'm going to say I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat right. Those two big things are the two big things I got to do every day. Now, you understand this whole week still got to happen. i still got emails to answer. i still got social media to check, to check on Northside 90 days. i still got the elders want me to do some things. You guys are going to want me to do some things. But that's okay, because I've done the two big things. I can still work on priority number three. I'm not going to tell you what that is, but I'm going to put that in there. And I understand that the rest of the week still got to happen. I'm still going to have all these small little things coming in. Now... It's all still going to happen, just like it did before. Whoops. But if you can, I hope they can get the camera zoomed in here. If you can't see this, what I can tell you honestly is I got the exact same amount of stuff in the exact same amount of week. I didn't change anything. All I did was put the big stuff first. And if you can't notice it, I still got a little extra space. You'll get a lot more stuff done when you keep the main thing, the main thing. Now, guys, we understand this from understanding Jesus' own life. Think about it here. Scripture says over and over again how important Jesus' life was. He only had 33 years, less than half of what we would think is a full life today. How did he get done everything he needed to get done? Oh, my goodness. He had a worldwide movement to get started. He had 12 guys that were common, uneducated, ordinary men. Didn't know the best of all the synagogue teachings. They weren't the most brilliant. No. Jesus had all this stuff to do. Here's how he did it. You notice scripture often says that Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed And we think, man, how could Jesus do that? He had all this stuff to do and so little time to do it in. Guys, in Jesus' mind, he didn't have time not to pray. His only important thing, his number one, was his relationship with his father And because he was in the flesh, he had to continually do that. He had to use time to do that. He had to physically get away. But he knew if he kept that thing number one, he'd get all the other stuff done. Oh, yeah, people still wanted him to work miracles, and people loved to hear him teach. But the one thing he had to keep number one was his relationship with the Father. When that relationship was kept strong, then everything else fell in exactly as it should be. This is how Jesus did it, and this is exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus was intentional about stewarding well the limited time that he had. Another way to say it is, Jesus focused on the right things and not the right now things. We got to do that if we're going to be intentional about managing our time. He put the big stuff first. Now, he still had small stuff to deal with. He still had small, he probably didn't have social media and email, but he still had the small stuff that got in the way of the big stuff. He just put them in in the right order. Now, if we're going to do this, we have to learn to put the big stuff before the small stuff. Now, I'll give two examples. One is from my world. It's the world of parenting. You guys, if you have young children, you have less than 6,600 days left with them. And as they get to right here, most parents get a little panicky, especially that last 365. Oh, man, have I got them ready? I mean, I know they know how to use Netflix. They got that down. And I know they got their cell phone now. It's the big stuff that you got to put in their lives. We live in a culture that emphasizes a lot of stuff with our kids. I mean, guys, if you've got a three-year-old who's not on a traveling ball team, well, you've just wasted his or her life. Now, listen to me. When you as a parent have a young child, In the first thousand days of their life. And you say their only way that their life is going to matter. Is by doing all this stuff. And they have these tournaments and traveling things. And they go out of town on a Sunday. And you spend the whole day watching them play ball. And that might be a good thing. I'm not against playing ball. But what have you told them? You said is this important? Oh yeah this is important. But we got other things to do. And you keep doing that week after week, month after month for 18 straight years. When they get to college and they enter that dorm room and you leave, and that first Sunday morning it's the opportunity to go to church, are they going to go? Why? Because you told them what was important long ago. We gotta put the big stuff first. Now, all of you with kids on traveling teams are mad at me now. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying you gotta put the big stuff first. You don't get those 6,600 days back. You only get them one time. You gotta make the best of the time you have while you got them with you. You gotta show them what's important. You gotta walk with them. You gotta journey with them. And you gotta show them the Lord. If you don't do anything else as a parent, that's the number one thing is teaching them the Lord. That's it. And if I get the other stuff in there on top, it's gravy. It's it's frosting. I'm using all these food analogies. Uh, It's wonderful. But keep the first things first, guys. Teenagers, I know you love social media. I know you love to binge watch on Netflix. But let me ask you. Someday you're going to have to account for the time that you have. How did you spend it? How did you spend it? The key to it, the key to it is this. It's two simple words. And I'm going to, I need some audience participation to do this, okay? This side is going to be my no side, okay? This side is going to be my yes side. As Jesus said, don't take oaths. Don't make big promises. Don't do a lot of hand-waving. When you live, just give two words. Let your... Be And let your be. Now, if we don't let our be and our. We're going to have a lot of problems. We got to draw those boundaries. Mom and dad, when there's something that interferes in the way of church, you've got to look at them and you've got to say, I love you very much. But the answer is. Because I want you to know the Lord. And when, when it comes time to do things for the Lord and when it comes time to put Him first, the answer's always got to be. Now, we live in a culture that can't say yes or no. This is really something I notice among the teens. They'll say to each other, hey, I'd love to get together with you. I mean, they're, they're doing this across social media where everyone sees it. And that person says, oh, I'd love to do that too. And they say, yeah, that would be great. Do they ever make a commitment to doing it? No. Because we live in a world where we can't say Or, Jesus called us to just say one of two words. Keep your commitments to the right things in the right order and only use those two words when you speak. So, keep the first things first, seek the kingdom first, and on a practical level, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Time management is spending your time on the right things in the right order. got four tips for you. Number one, list your priorities. I said the four softballs, everybody's got to decide what those are. I think the first ought to be your relationship with the Lord. The other three I'm going to leave up to you. But you have to decide what matters to your life. I'm sorry to tell you, you can't do everything. You can't. You've got so much time. You've got to use it wisely. Number two, rise earlier. Now, I look at Clayton McCullough. Clayton McCullough, he sleeps in sometimes on Saturday, gets up at three in the morning. No, I'm kidding. He he most days, what is it, about five? Four thirty. Yeah. Years ago I said, I need to get up earlier, so I'm gonna have Clayton McCullough give me an accountability call. Every morning, four thirty in the morning. Ring hello. Toby up, this is Clayton. Okay, I'm up. It's not like I'm about to die. That was because I was. You don't have to get up as early as Clayton McCullough. But you better get ahead of the day before the day gets ahead of you. Number three, focus on one thing. This is the biggest lie that these have given us, is the idea that we can multitask and that we're good at it. That is a lie. Your brain was made by God to do one thing at a time. So when you're working on something important, put this baby in airplane mode or turn it off or do whatever. But focus on one thing at a time. And number four, start with the end in mind. Think about where you want to end up each day. Think about where you want to end up at the end of your week. Think about where you want to end up on your final bed as you're surrounded by those who love you. Think about the things that matter most Those are the things that most matter. Think about how you spend your time. Ask yourself what you're going to do with the time you've been given.
1: These are roughly 28,835 jelly beans. I counted out 500 of them and used those to weigh the rest. In this pile, there's one jelly bean for each day that the average American will live. You might have more beans in your life, or maybe less, but on average, this is the time we have. Here's a single bean. It's your very first day. A special day, but kind of a rough day on everyone involved. Add 364 more, and you have the first year of your life. Now, for a sense of scale, here are your first 15 years. 5,475 days, which brings us to the threshold of adulthood. And at that moment, this is the time that we have left. And this is, on average, what we will do with all that time. We will be asleep for a total of 8,477 days. If we're lucky, some of that time we'll be sleeping next to someone we love. We will be in the process of eating, drinking, or preparing food for 1,635 days. We'll be at work, hopefully doing something satisfying, for the equivalent of 3,202 of those days. 1,099 days will be spent commuting or traveling from one place to another, maybe a little bit more if you live in L.A. On average, we will watch television in one form or another for a total of 2,676 days. Household activities, like chores and tending to our pets and shopping, will take another 1,576 days, and we will care for the needs and well-being of others, our friends and family, for 564 days. We'll spend 671 days bathing, grooming, and doing all other bathroom-related activities. And another 720 days we'll go to community activities, like religious and civic duties, charities, and taking classes. After we remove all those beans, this is what remains. This is the time that we have left. Time for laughing, swimming, making art, going on hikes, text messages, reading, checking Facebook, playing softball maybe even teaching yourself how to play the guitar. So what are you going to do with this time? How much of it do you think you've already used up? If you only had half of it, what would you do differently? What about half of that? How much time have you already spent worrying instead of doing something that you love? What if you just had one more day? What are you going to do today?
0: The saints of old didn't have... Modern calendars, they really only had two days to think about today and that day. As we close today, I want to remind you that those are really the only two days that matter. What are you going to do with the time you've been given? You have less now than you've ever had. Make the most of it. If you don't know the Lord, if you're not ready for a day without days, the eternal day. Then we want to make it right today. If you uh, need help, if you need prayers, if you need encouragement, because your days have been real rough, we want to help you with that too. Next week, we're going to ask you, what did you do with today? I hope you'll keep that question in mind. And next week, or tonight, we'll talk about an ordinary story. Today, if you have a need, if you're not ready for that day, please come today as we stand and sing.